you know, she laid out a really, really good foundation from day one, which meant that even if you didn't understand something, you had the tools to tell her that you didn't understand something and she could stop the class and everything. So that was something that I was mind blown because I was like, wow, this is what a good teacher is. Hello, welcome back to Ready to Redo, where each week we're mixing mediocre humour with the juicy topic of redoing education. Today we're joined by the lovely Moiko Riley from Brisbane. Moiko's had an extensive experience with languages, from growing up speaking Japanese and English, to studying Korean and Spanish in uni, and then working as a teaching assistant for three years in Spain. We discuss misconceptions with learning, the importance of work experience, and also fangirl about why languages are brilliant and why other subjects desperately need to follow this immersive way of learning. As always, there is the video version of this podcast episode, so if you're interested in that, then check out the podcast description. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, then please email. The email is also in the podcast description. Okay, enough of me blabbing. Let's jump straight into it. In my second year, I decided that it would probably be smart to take up languages as an elective. Um, and I wanted to take a language, but I also didn't want to, want to challenge myself too much, which sounds really bad, actually. Coming out of high school, I felt like I was really bad at learning. I felt like until there were certain like peaks in my learning, you know, but after when I hit grade 12, I thought, wow, I'm like a really bad student. It's not even, it's kind of like a miracle that I'm even going to university. There's no like value in me learning. It's kind of a waste of time. So I hit a bit of a low point in learning. How did you come to that? conclusion um I think my confidence was really knocked about because there was a lot of pressure to take certain classes if you wanted to do certain subjects in university mm-hmm. which I'm sure is the same everywhere yeah but I originally wanted to further my studies in science or something science related um because it was something that I was relatively good at in grade 10 but I got to grade 11 and I started failing chemistry, I didn't get along with my teacher, my maths wasn't very good either, so suddenly I was like, oh, I'm not a science student, I have to change the humanities. Yeah, like a a lot of students have those misconceptions, and yeah, I've like ranted so much about this, which is like, students only get like one perspective of how they learn. So your experience with your teacher cause the experience with your subject as well as like how Mm -hmm. it was taught and everything but if if you change just one thing like if you changed who your teacher was or if you changed the pace at which the class was taught like you could have a completely different idea of who you are as Mm -hmm. a science student or a math student Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) it was a really frustrating point because uh in grade 10 I did work experience at the university in like as a molecular biologist so I was like you know gearing up to become a some kind of scientist but in grade 11 I was like oh my gosh I'm so bad at 
science. Well, who am I kidding? Like, I'm not going to be able to sustain this for two years and then do a, a degree and become a professional. Right. <laughs> like, how was the difference between um, work experience and then the learning of the content? Like, were you expected to demonstrate a lot of knowledge in that placement? I actually thought it was a really good placement because um, they place us in different labs every day. So you get exposure to different kinds of, you know, parts of molecular biology. And a lot of the times they did ask a lot of us that were really practical kind of science things like, okay, go and make a, a buffer and go and check out this bacteria and, you know, kind of analyze it and see what you can find from it. Um, as opposed to what we did in school, which is just learning how to do equations and, you know, just passive learning, I suppose. It was a lot more hands-on. And it was a moment where I was like, oh, everything I learned in grade 10 science up until that point was then applicable to what I was doing in the lab. So that was really, that made so much sense to me. Mm. And you can actually see what the point of you having studied from like year seven to 10 was for, because you're like, what, where do I, what do I do with this information otherwise? Uh, I decided to take Korean and I found I really enjoyed it. And I had a lot of moments where I was like, oh my God, I understand. Like this completely makes sense. And it kind of re reaffirmed that maybe I'm not uh, a shitty learner yeah. and that was really good that was that was really really helpful I thought that's why I love languages because I feel like languages are one of the subjects where you can uh, explicitly see the outcome of your hard work mm -hmm. as soon as you understand a sentence you're like oh I couldn't understand that before but now I can directly see how I've grown as a student mm -hmm. because you've experienced it in such an practical way as opposed yeah. to a lot of other subjects you can't exactly see how much you've really developed yourself because there are I would say rarely times that you can in your daily life apply your learning apply the theory to um to your life mm -hmm. so yeah especially with languages I totally agree like as soon as you understand a sentence from a show or you can read a, a, like a sign um, or a menu, mm -hmm. like you can read a menu, you're like, I've, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's such a rewarding um, kind of field to go into as well, because you can, you can see your results. And I know a lot of people talk about like the language plateau where you, you learn a language and in the beginning you're like learning so much and then you plateau. But realistically, there are still going to be points in your language learning where you see, like, you read a menu or you hear something or, you know, things that you, where you're like, oh, wow, I am improving. And for somebody whose confidence was so, like, battered down through my science ex experience, I thought that was really, really nice in supporting me and being like, hey, you can learn as well. Look, you're making progress in these things. Okay, so then you learn Korean, but then you also learn Spanish. You've, okay, yeah. let's go into Spanish as well. What happened there? I had an extra elective left that I needed to take. Um, and I thought it was kind of a waste to go back to learning Korean when I wasn't pursuing a degree in Korean. And it was only one semester. So I thought, okay, I'm going to learn like a new language. 
It's interesting because like Korean, one of my really good friends from high school, she is Colombian and she used to kind of teach me a little bit of Spanish and Colombian culture. So I was like, great, I'm going to do a semester of Spanish. And it wasn't something that I thought too deeply about. But yeah, I did that and graduated and completely forgot all my Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, and I find that so fascinating because you spend like a whole semester learning something. For some students, like some people, the whole high school experience they spent learning a language and as soon as they leave they're like I I can't even have a conversation with someone in that language you've spent six years something crazy like that you spent six years learning a subject but you can't actually apply it what there is an issue there not just with languages Mm -hmm. with anything but languages make it more explicit we can see like Mm -hmm. can you apply your knowledge here so I guess you forgot that semester's worth of stuff. And like, how do they I even teach you? What, what did, how did they teach Spanish at uni? It's really interesting because my teacher was actually amazing. She was, she was brilliant. It's in that situation, unlike in high school, it was 150% my own fault that I forgot everything because, you know, they say language is a muscle. If you don't keep using it, it's just going to wither away. And that was definitely it. My My teacher was, my professor, I should say, was this amazing educator who from day one was like, I'm only speaking to you in Spanish because this is Spanish, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to teach you how to ask the important questions. Like, how do you say this in English? Or um, what does this mean in Spanish? Or, you know, she laid out a really, really good foundation from day one, which meant that even if you didn't understand something, you had the tools to tell her that you didn't understand something and oh, she yeah. could stop the class and everything. So that was something that I was mind blown because I was like, wow, this is what a good teacher is. After I had such a positive experience with this teacher, I graduated university and I had the feeling that a lot of students have where I thought, I've graduated, what am I going to do now? My degree is useless um which isn't the case but you know you enter that mindset so I decided okay we're going to go back to what I was so opposed to and like become a teacher I'm going to do a diploma in teaching English so in the process of becoming a teacher and learning how I am as a learner to kind of link up with how I could be as an educator that really changed my perspective on what I had thought a teacher was you know when I first entered university and I was like I don't want to be a teacher I hated my chemistry teacher or my math teacher whatever I really changed the way I thought and I felt like wow I want to be able to become a teacher that okay maybe the student doesn't like me but I want the student to come out of it and be like I learned something you know even if I don't even if they don't retain all the information like with my Spanish class for them to turn around and be like wow the way that that teacher kind of taught me was useful to me in some way or form Mm -hmm. so that really changed the way I thought and I started working as an English teacher in in Brisbane and during that time my Spanish professor sent me an email and was like hey I remember you took Spanish in my class and I thought maybe this is a program that you'd be interested in you can go to Spain and be a teaching assistant in a high school or a primary school so you can apply for it if it's something that you're interested in I just thought 
you know, I, I thought of you. So that was really, really nice of her um, because I was so, I was so shocked. I took one semester, you know, with her and she remembered who I was and that made me think, okay, maybe there is like a, a reason for this opportunity coming my way. So I applied for it and kind of forgot about it. And they were like, oh, you're going to Spain. And I got approved. And I ended up going for three years. <laughs> I decided to put myself in a homestay when I first arrived because I, I was working in a town in the middle of nowhere. So it, I stayed with a family who are now, they're like my Spanish family. They're the mm -hmm. kindest souls ever. But uh, the mum and the daughter speak English as well, but the father didn't speak any English. So he was kind of like my testing period of being, of learning just how um, bad my Spanish was. And I was like, well, it goes to show a semester of Spanish in university doesn't get you far if you don't keep, you know, working at that skill. I find that, so this is basically immersion, like immersing mm. yourself and forcing yourself to be bloody uncomfortable like I, I'm also learning Spanish but I applied it to mm. just conversation classes in Melbourne and mm. just going into one session I felt so uncomfortable everyone around me is speaking another language fluently yeah. and I'm here like hola hi <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and it is so hard because what you've learned from a book is so different because first of all people speak colloquially they don't teach you how mm -hmm. to speak colloquially in a textbook yeah. and suddenly they're yeah. throwing slang over here and you can say grammar perfectly but that sounds weird to them and you're like biting yeah. by the textbook and they're like don't do that <laughs> how strange is that because suddenly what is technically correct is not mm -hmm. applicable in real life context there is such a discrepancy between what is taught and what is actually expected, not just for languages, for everything. We can learn a 100%. shit ton of theory, but applying that to real life, you have to factor in who are these people, first of all, like everyone's different. How do you mm -hmm. communicate what you've learned to this specific context? Spanish was a completely different culture that I was not used to. Already with that, I was so out of my comfort zone. People started to call me, they used to call me like the quiet Japanese girl because I couldn't speak. I had, I had nothing to say. You know, you have those moments where you're in a group situation. Oh, I hated group shit situations so much because I was like, I'm not gonna say a thing. I'm not gonna be able to keep up. People are talking and you finally understand a sentence that was spoken like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I was just like, oh my God, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be able to contribute anything. And it was so daunting, but because I lived in this town in the countryside, I had no choice but to speak Spanish. Uh, it, it's so hard when you immerse yourself because you are forced, absolutely forced to just yeah. cop it and make mistakes but you improve like one semester versus three days in another mm -hmm. country immersed in it the amount of improvement you make in three days is crazy 
And Mm -hmm. that just makes me think like, okay, so we're in uni, we're spending a semester on this stuff. It's not a matter of we can only learn at one semester's pace. Like we can learn Mm. this content in 10 days, what we learn in a semester. How can we make the course more applicable to life and make us Mm -hmm. learn in a way that's more immersive and applicable? Mm. And Mm -hmm. I've started to think about that with every subject. Like how can we transfer what we do with um, languages where it's quite common to go to exchange or to live in another country, but often other subjects, you don't have an exchange. <laughs> like there, there is no yeah. equivalent. You're just expected to do what you do with languages, learn the theory and then never apply it or at least never apply mm-hmm. it until you have a job. If we were able to do more internships or if we were able to do more practicals in school and in uni, the amount of progress you can make in like a week if you're expected to work in a lab and directly apply your mm-hmm. knowledge full time, mm-hmm. the improvements that you would make, not only with your theory, but how you communicate with others, how you can collaborate your ideas and sort of see, okay, what I know is not entirely what's right for this situation. How can I learn from mm-hmm. that? And that I think is a very necessary improvement on like the education system is to make it more practical, (laughs) like put us into these really uncomfortable situations. Cause if we're uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. we're going to learn a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. And I think like one thing I, I always think is a little disappointing. I don't know if it's changed now, but definitely when I was in high school, work experience wasn't something that everyone did. The reason why I did it was because I thought, oh, something like working in a lab is very specific. If I don't get the experience when I'm younger, I won't understand what that environment is like. It was to the extent where I think only like five students from my grade did work experience. Maybe there was slightly, it definitely was not the majority of the cohort that that did it because you, they don't really sell it um, for you very well. And you have to give up your your September holidays to do it um, and things like that. So because of that, a lot of people just didn't do it. They thought, I don't want to waste my time working and not getting paid for something mm-hmm. when the school really should have been like, okay, you're not getting paid, but this is going to lead to you being able to kind of solidify, okay, this is what I want to do in the future. Or maybe, maybe it's something that you don't want to do. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, the process of elimination, super important. I think, I feel like it's more practical because there are so many things out there at least you can eliminate what you um if you're just in that situation you can definitely say that's not for me because work experience in um my school was like it was compulsory you Mm. actually oh okay yeah it was one week in year 10 and Mm. the school actually blocked off a week during the term for you to go and do placement and this was anywhere you wanted I I ended up doing it at a lab and seeing like a real life foot like (laughs) the guy just yeah no I I should give more context so (laughs) I worked (laughs) in pathology um and he uh, cancer research and all of this stuff and our supervisor basically said I have a foot in this um box (laughs) basically I have a foot in this box it's been severed the person has died um in more medical terms than that, but 
you want to see? And I'm like, yes, show us. And so he showed it to us. I'm in awe. My friend is in awe. We're like, this is so, so cool. Why don't we get that in normal class? Please explain. And that just made it so much more fascinating. And I just think like work experience in year 10, a compulsory work experience was so important. But what if Mm. we did that? What if we did work experience in year seven? You Mm. go straight into year seven, you learn your maths. Okay, cool. But how can I apply the maths I just learned to Mm -hmm. life? Because that way we're actually engaging students with what's the point of me learning this to, okay, we'll bring you into this um, three days into this place where you're expected to know this knowledge upon other Mm -hmm. things. Now you can see sort of what the goal is, like why you need to know this information. Because with languages, I love it because, okay, so say if you don't know theory behind um, how to ask for something, you go to the supermarket and you realize, shit, I can't ask for this. So you now have Mm -hmm. a goal to work for. Like I need to know this because I can see a direct uh, relevance to to why Mm -hmm. and when I need to use it. 100%. Yeah. And, and so if students have that opportunity, even in primary school, oh my God, how amazing. Like in primary school as well, you have that work experience, how much mm. you're able to get uncomfortable and learn and see the point in what you learn. I think it also then does a really good job of teaching young learners about like responsibility in, in terms of being able to be responsible for your own learning um not to say that if any mistakes happen or if you're unable to learn something originally it's not 100 percent your fault obviously as a learner there are a whole other factors as well but to be able to take charge of your learning maybe that's a better way of saying it and be like okay well these are the things that i'm learning what can i do to change this you know i think it's important to have those ideas running through our minds at an earlier age rather than only having that realization when you're in university, you know, then you've almost wasted 12 or so years of your education being like, oh, I was just like led to learn these things rather than me being the one learning this information. And I think that will change also how much information we retain as learners if we start to be able to think, oh, this is important information that I want to keep. Yeah, because it could be incredibly important information but Mm. if we're not even able to see how can I apply this knowledge like is it really important to me we're never going to actually retain it to the point where it's in our long-term memory sure we Mm. might remember it for that week but if we can't see how it's relevant to us like what can we do with this information it's not important until we go into the real world and do a placement or something yeah oh like rant, yeah. <laughs> ranting is good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking around this far. Hope you're enjoying this ready to redo episode. Now on to the last part. Some people call it like experimental learning instead of kind of going with the aim, shoot, fire. It's sort of like fire, shoot, aim yeah. sort of situation in that you, instead of, kind of laying out a process you just jump into situations and I definitely think you end up picking up uh interesting kind of knowledge in that way 
I, for example, like when I first got to Spain, I couldn't even order orange juice properly, but I had a conversation with my, with my Spanish father, my host father, I should say, about like flooding in a certain area in the, in the South. And for some reason, that conversation went really well, even though I still couldn't order orange juice. Um, it was just because of the, the way I suppose that he was able to explain words and use like visual references to help kind of bridge those gaps in my knowledge that suddenly I couldn't do everyday things, but I could have a conversation about flooding in certain areas in rural Spain, you know? So yeah. I think from having those experimental moments, not to say that you should learn a whole language based on that, but I think to use it as a tool is so is really smart. You get to kind of jump into a new situation and test the waters with something and think, okay, well, actually I have a lot of knowledge in this field that I didn't realize I had a lot of knowledge yet. Maybe there are these aspects that I still need to work on. Yeah. I find that, yeah. Why don't we even sort of get you into the deep end, like have a placement or whatever it is with like barely any knowledge so that you can see what you need to improve on is it the grammar that you're having trouble with is it the vocab where really are you struggling instead of like accumulating this knowledge and not just learning everything blindly and and yeah doing that like disjointed learning thing where you can see the point and why you're studying it and you can see exactly what you need to improve on definitely Definitely. I think that, I mean, it's understandable that that scares a lot of people. A lot of people like structure in their learning and they want to start at a point and learn how to say their name and do these things. But perhaps with other languages, I have better personal experience with, like I, w I went to France uh, last summer at the end of the summer um, and I visited Lyon and I don't speak French. I wouldn't classify myself as a French speaker. I personally don't think that I could hold a conversation in French yet I booked a driver to kind of take me to the airport and he told me I don't speak any English I don't speak any Spanish I only speak French and like Tunisian Arabic so I was like oh great okay well this is like a 30 minute drive that I'm gonna I can't just stay silent so we had a conversation in French in this language that I supposedly couldn't speak and it went really well. We talked about meaningful things. He, he taught me about the, the language in Tunisia and how it's like a combination of different things. I told him about my language background, which is all kind of, I guess, medium to high level conversation, you know, but with very basic language on my part. Yeah. And I think that's like a very good example of when you're put in a situation where you're like, okay, it's, this isn't even a language I've learned, but you can draw from your experiences and be able to put things together. And that in turn makes you think, oh, this is actually something that I am capable of doing. And, that, and if you aren't, then you'll think, oh, okay, this is something that maybe was too high of a hurdle this time, but it's something that I could aim for next time. I think yeah. those are really important to keep in mind. And and you know what? The environment, the learning environment that you're in is super important because what I can see in like those situations is because it's an act of necessity, like you literally mm -hmm. need it to communicate. 
the other opposing person is not judging you because mm -hmm. it's just an explicit like exchange of knowledge like you, you, there is no other way and so mm -hmm. when that barrier of judgment has just been wiped out the amount of stuff you can now say do whatever show your knowledge it, it just mm -hmm. becomes so much easier because again mm -hmm. like they they don't expect much of you and so when that's mm -hmm. ha happening you actually are able to show more of your knowledge than say if the person is expecting you to say something really well because then you'll start to freeze and start to um sort of censor yourself and second guess yourself as well so definitely i think like learning environments where people are not judging others where you make mm -hmm. it explicit that failure is important that making mistakes mm -hmm. is important that there is necessity if the whole class you could only speak in spanish like your, your teacher was specifically only speaking spanish to you guys but what if the classmates even had to speak spanish mm -hmm. with each other like how would that mm -hmm. change everything like you said in, in my situation with speaking in, in french um i remember telling him in french in the very beginning like oh i don't speak french and he was like oh that's okay i don't speak any other languages though so this is the only way we're going to be able to communicate and then you think, okay, well, they know that I don't speak French, but I still want to be able to communicate things. And they are so much then more open to trying to piece together what you're trying to say. And I think we often forget that a lot of times the people we're communicating with don't really care if your language is perfect. Like if somebody is speaking to you in English and their English isn't 100%, you're not going to completely shut out what they're saying just because you can't just because they don't sound like a, a fluent native speaker, you know, you're still going to be able to try and understand. And if you don't understand, you can kind of ask them. And if that doesn't work, you just kind of take a new route, you know? So I think that's something if we were, if, if you put yourself in the opposite situation, you would, you wouldn't be judging a person, but we tend to forget that when we feel vulnerable in, in that situation. For sure. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Marco. Great conversation. Great ranting. I love it. <laughs> thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this Ready to Redo episode. Special thanks to Marco for joining us. And if you want to check out more of her work, then search up starting underscore conversations on Instagram. Awesome. See you next week.